Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gate, ready to go. OutKick 360 underway from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us, the entire crew together today alongside Chad Withrow. PK, Paul Kowarski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Big show today. Dan Dockich joins us in 20 minutes, plus primary complaint in 45 minutes. Headlines galore, including Aaron Rodgers um, and management for the Green Bay Packers speaking with Rob Domofsky today, like literally as it as we're beginning the show right now. Quotes are being live tweeted about the Aaron Rodgers situation in Green Bay. What was and was not promised based on him returning to play at the beginning of last season, we'll have that. Freddie Freeman, as of right now, is an Atlanta Brave. Is it going to remain that way? That's later in the show. Plus, an SEC assessment of fan bases, according to The Athletic, that have complete faith in their teams, in their program, in their athletic department. That's in today's third hour. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Good to Hutton. be back. Good to, good to have you back. Welcome back. Very productive trip to Birmingham yesterday. So it was, nice it was, work. It was fun. Yeah, we'll, we'll recap USFL later. They, they gave me, uh, um, and we could do it now, but I'm, they, they gave me full access last Hot night. Blanche. Um In what was a, well, a well-oiled machine for the first production of the USFL draft. They kept it small. I thought that was in very good taste and a very good decision. Uh, with people that were in there, and uh, because of that, because OutKick was there, we had run-of-the-mill and some behind-the-scenes access and discussions that we can uh, certainly turn into a topic later today's show. I I thought it was very well done last night in Birmingham. It looked fun, and good work with it. So I I missed, uh, full disclosure, I missed all the headlines that started around noonish yesterday until 11 o'clock last night. And I get back to the hotel and flip on the TV and Phil Mickelson is just, they're, I mean, they're wall to wall with this coverage and they're sprinkling in some college basketball highlights, but it's Mickelson and he's losing sponsors. Uh, uh, Paul's uh, least favorite logo in the sports that's world exactly what he, is, that's is, he brought is, up. is no longer I, I teased a part yesterday of and said, Great news for Paul Kaharski when we come back was KPMG was canceling the sponsorship. It's the him. worst logo. Mickelson is now taking a step away from golf or uh, to get his, his mind right. I mean, it, it, bizarre storyline. Um, and it all stems from, and we, we had touched on this maybe, what, two weeks ago, I think is when we first dove into the, the Saudi Golf League, or what's called the Global Golf League, I believe, and uh, primarily funded by the Saudis. And Mickelson is a proponent of it because it's going to change the business practices of the players and the PGA Tour, or so he thought. But everyone now has turned against Mickelson, uh, including his sponsors, based on comments made to a uh, 
a, a well-known and well-respected journalist who's writing a book on Phil Mickelson. So this is one where he would have been better off just pleading ignorance uh, with Saudi Arabia's human rights record. Um, he was almost too honest in a conversation with Alan Shipnook. So this, this stems from Alan Shipnook is writing a biography, an authorized biography of Phil Mickelson in accordance with Phil Mickelson. Sounds like unauthorized. Yeah, he may, well, not, <laughs> it may no longer be I don't, I, don't, I don't think the relationship is going to be very good now. Um, and Alan Shipnook, look, he's, he's fired back and said, yeah. not, not at one point did he say anything was off the record. So Shipnook calls Phil Mickelson about the economics of golf, and Phil Mickelson apparently, in Phil style, just says exactly what's on his mind and goes through all this. Well, this excerpt gets released... And people like Brooks Kepka speak out and say, I would be very careful about calling anyone else greedy if I'm Phil Mickelson. Roy McElroy said it was stupid, it was greedy, it was ungrateful. I mean, crushed Phil Mickelson for this. Um, and now, essentially, I mean, he is being canceled out. Every sponsor has either paused their relationship with him or completely taken it away. And Phil Mickelson... <laughs> This is what's crazy about this whole story. He is choosing profit over what's right in terms of how a country and a people treat their people. This is not uncommon in business and sports. We can give you countless examples. Where it's different is he said, these are some scary MFers. I realize that. I know they killed a guy from the Washington Post. I know what they do dot, dot, dot. But this is what's best for the future of golf. So I'm choosing this anyways. And now people are coming back and saying th that's wrong. The NBA, the sites like OutKick crushed the NBA and LeBron James for being silent on human rights violations in China. They're basically pleading ignorance. They're just not talking about it. They're not saying it. They're choosing profit yeah, they're over not what's right, but they're not saying what's going on. They're just choosing to ignore and he's, he was saying, he, he named off all these things as to why you would not want to be in business with the Saudis. And then followed up by saying, but this is best for the reform of the PGA Tour. And you know, the backlash from that has been extraordinary and as the lead topic across the sports world today. What I, what I find very interesting here, Colin Morikawa, uh, Bryson DeChambeau, I, I read articles when they decided to stick with the PGA, when they turned down big, big dollars to go to the Global World Tour or yeah, whatever yeah, this right. is called. And in none of their um, comments in talking about why they were staying, did any of them cite anything about human rights in, in Saudi Arabia? It was competition. Yeah, they said, I'm staying with the best players. This is the right thing to do. So... They, Phil says something about it, and now they're like, oh, my God, the human rights stuff. But none of them, when they were saying why they weren't going, cited the human rights stuff. So I find it pretty funny that now it's all a human rights issue to them. When they turned it down, none of them said, look, it's great money offer, but the reason I'm not going is because they killed a Washington Post uh, reporter and because I don't like the way they treat women and because I don't like the way they treat gays and because there's, there's some real issues with human rights over there. So it's, it's a little bit yeah. awkward well, to it's me not, it, that it didn't come up as a topic until Phil Paul, Mickelson they're, they're said still something not stupid about that. it. They're not saying that. Not one golfer you mentioned is even saying that now. Yeah, so where are they on this? Well, this well is, but they're, they're, they're rewarded not by not, they're doing the by not saying anything. 
Well, they're not choosing Saudi Arabia. The difference is everyone you noted is sticking with the PGA. They don't have to list their reasons. They're not choosing the blood money in Saudi Arabia. But, That's the difference. But, the but why not mention the reasons? If, well, if we're going well, all high and mighty here. They didn't need to because Phil Mickelson listed the reasons. Phil Mickelson said scary MFers to get involved with. They killed a post reporter and U.S. resident. Listed off countless concerns with human rights. And then notes, but it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to reshape how the PGA Tour operates. And that yeah, was well, the discussion. I'm, I'm not up on Phil saying that, but I'd like to see one of these other guys who so bravely turned down the money say that's one of the reasons why he turned down the money. Well, they don't have to say anything because they're not taking the money. Do you get it? I, I, I get what you're saying. Well, but Phil hasn't either, yeah. Yeah, KPMG, you can get them on and talk about human rights. Amstel Light, his sponsors are taking his money. That, that, that's who has issues with the human rights part of it. The golfers stay. They don't have to say anything. But, I think one of them could say something. I, I now have an unfortunate case of the hiccups, which is maybe oh, a first in show history. So I'm someone excited to, about that. We need Jacob, Jacob to stand scare up and, me. Yeah, and scare Paul. Say and, something <laughs> about your past life. <laughs> or, or your current well, it's, it, it's <laughs> Your youth in Minnesota. It's also, you know, and I'm listening to sports talk radio on the way in today, and there, there's a big topic about, you know, Phil Mickelson is so awful. Uh, for doing this, for siding with Saudi Arabia because they kill gay people over there for being gay, and they do this and that. And I'm thinking, these same shows and reporters criticize our site, OutKick, for pointing to China's human rights violation in the right. NBA's silence. But, but now it's an issue. But the, oh, you know, okay, so the, got it. Now it's Saudis, an issue because it's Phil. The, you know, you got it the, pisses me off. Well, I, I agree with you because you've got the same scenario, but it's the, one of the top stars of the sport saying that, yeah, I know about all this. I'm going to do it anyway, anyway because it's going to change the league I'm currently in. Well, it's, again, that's why Phil it's his Mickelson is wrong in what he said and what he's ultimately saying. The guy's made $800 million on the PGA Tour. Um, I don't think it's out of line for me to say he should be a little bit grateful for the opportunities given by the PGA Tour. Here's he's my saying that broadly, down as apology. Here's my point more broadly, Chad. While he was considering it, when this became an option, that our reflection on it, us too, we're guilty of it. None of us said, well, what about the human rights violation in Saudi Arabia? Right. We that were, wasn't we top were of we were discussing. We were discussing the, what it would do to the PGA well, and, and if guys would the, go. They yeah. own the virtual media rights to every individual player. Yeah, I, I was saying, you know, when is enough enough? I mean, the PGA Tour has rights to their videos. Great. It's the PGA Tour. You have rights to the $800 million the PGA Tour helped give you. In playing I golf. Know, I don't know if I'm with you on, on this. The platform for him was very good, and he went and made a ton of money. But he's allowed to say the platform could have been better, and I could have made even more money, and, and I'm allowed again, to want when that. is enough enough? Well, you're not the judge of when enough enough is for him. $800 million. But my, my point is, like, we but could play this game But if I told you you could make $800 million, we, I, I hit this yesterday. We left the radio station. You made a pretty good living there. You wanted more. They didn't accommodate you on your more, and so you went and found a better opportunity. Yeah, but I don't I mean, know I, how it's that much different. I, it's, I, it's the scale is different. I could have stayed though. I mean, I was given the ability to stay at my old radio station. I'm well, thankful he's given for that. the ability to stay. But he looked at an alternative and said he wanted and to shake he, things up, and he bashed them, and he got I, I'm sure called out by PGA Tour people and said you're wrong. And he's apologized. Go read his apology. 
There's a reason he's apologizing well, for this. His apology is that it, over the over the Saudi stuff more than it's over having he said looks bad like things about the an PGA. Insanely petty, selfish, greedy person. When you lay out, Paul, these are some scary mfers. They've done this, 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 and this. But I can make 1.5 billion instead of 800 million with them. So they're what's best for golf moving forward. Outside of money, how are they better for golf? Outside, how, 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 is that, how is that better than the Masters and the U.S. Open and the Phoenix Open and everything else? Tell me how it's better. Outside of money. Well, he could still go play golfers. the Masters. He could still go play the Masters. But I don't know how it necessarily would be better for golf. But if all of the guys went and they all made more money, I think that's better for golf. If your golfers it's not better are, for golf are in the United happy. States. Well, he's making it a global. I'm sorry, but a Saudi Arabian-run golf league is not something I'm all that interested in watching. I just don't buy. I'm interested in watching the tournaments I've watched I bet if every all, year in I golf. bet if all the players were in it, you'd watch it. Globally, more people would watch and that's, it. And that's the reason that you're citing, Paul, uh, that the other players, uh, DeChambeau and others, um, came out and went. said, they said, we're, we're staying because we're, we want the best competition. You can list off like, there's a certain percentage of the top 70 players ranked globally that have committed to the PGA Tour, and those guys were listed among players with Mickelson that were expected to receive hefty offers to join the league, and they said, we're not going to because we want to play with the best competition. Now, I'm taking if, out. And it sounded like it was just a leverage play by Mickelson and others to see what the PGA Tour would give back to them, and whenever they didn't flinch, they everyone, lost. everyone jumped on board with what Kepka was saying about Mickelson. But, Chad, but Mickelson also out, just stroked a check for every day on his tournament for the PGA. He gave the PGA Tour a million dollars in order to use video of himself to promote the event. But if we take out that uh, Saudi Arabia is a bad place and these are bad people, and we make it that there's some kind of alternative where he could go for more money, you're being kind of. Uh, if there's another league in the States, you're saying? Uh, or something? Jingoistic is oh, the wrong look, thing. Look, if, 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 if there's Where's a, the capitalist in you? Well, look, I, I'm, I'm a capitalist. he should be grateful for his $800 million and stay. I, I'm not saying you don't fight you know, for the most you can make and all that. I'm just saying, Paul, you're not going to get a lot of public sympathy when you made $800 million. He's not yeah. getting sympathy from Brooks Kepko, who's probably made $400 million. Yeah, that, they're that. saying, well, that's because people don't like Phil Mickels. Brooks Kepka and Roy McIlroy are saying he's greedy. How rich are those guys? Pretty They're rich. fine. But this is, this is my point. This, Mickelson's not a popular guy. This is Mickelson's mentality and always has been, though. Like, he's getting ripped on social media for how much did he take home in that tournament? And he said, hey, it, you know, I, I'm going to give you a stack of, I'm going to give you a stack off the million, and I'm still going to be sitting on, you know, the bankroll. Yeah, that was his tweet that he sent back to somebody that needed to get uh, reimbursed for a flight or something? I think he blew it. it. Because they, they were bored yeah. to death. The, for state, the, the comments about the Saudi stuff were, were foolish. But the money stuff, I don't have a problem with. I, I, I mean, I know we can't separate the two here. It was here, the pay-per-view. But if we're, we're, if we're taking the Saudi stuff out of it, initially, where nobody was talking about the human rights stuff, and it seemed to be just a money issue, and I'm guilty of not having thought about the human rights stuff and having talked about the human rights stuff. But when it was just a money thing and everybody was saying, look at greedy Phil, I don't have a problem with greedy Phil. Plenty of the top athletes in plenty of the top sports are looking to make every penny they can while they can. And to me, he's just another one of those guys doing that. 
the league is just it can be just as greedy. Any yeah, of these professional leagues. Again, it's sort of like the lockout. It's regardless, it's just a bad look. When you are super, super, super rich, like Phil Mickelson, and you whine the way he did. I mean, he sounds like he's uh, in a homeless shelter. The way he's talking about all the money he's been cheated out of over his career. I don't think he made it sound like he was in a homeless shelter. I'm going to disagree with you on that. He's just saying there's opportunity for more that he's being kept out of. I, I just and he's trying I, to get I that, don't the like PGA where to this change. is going because there's going to be opportunity for more in China for eternity. So your point is, Paul, then just go make more money in China. And then no, all of our best athletes, as, from, as, as someone who's a capitalist, should just go make as much money as they can in China, and that doesn't help anything. Well, but, I'm not saying that. I'm saying kind of what Hutton was saying. Use Saudi Arabia, use China to prompt your league to change things in your favor. But this league is never going to have Saudi oil money. So they can't prompt them to spend like they are doing. Well, they could prompt them to change the video rights, which is the big thing that and you that's, want. And well, that's let's, fine let's if they jump, want to tweak that. Let's not jump to conclusions about the Saudi oil money. You think some of these clubs that they're playing their yeah. tours at aren't exactly. funded by some of this stuff? Oh, of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. And these leagues are, I mean... We don't how far will you when go? When have we heard an NFL owner de- yeah. decry any of this? Uh, again, because like, they're I, trying to get into China to play a game. Look, I, I think, I, I, yes... My point is, I don't want our athletes going to Saudi Arabia or internationally to take money from these countries and leave the U.S. I like my sports in the U.S. If Saudi oil money is coming into Augusta National, whatever, they're probably not talking about it, and we're not hearing about it. I'm sure it So you're cool with the NBA, since the NBA is in the States, and they're getting the China money. I am cool with the NBA if they just admitted it, like Phil Mickelson did. My problem is acting like there isn't a problem. I have no issue with Phil Mickelson now, okay? Phil Mickelson said something stupid. He sounded greedy. He apologized for it. He's going to go away for about six months, it looks like. He'll probably be fine when he comes back out of this. But my issue is acting like there's no problem and then talking about every problem domestically and making it all about change and taking blood money from China. But, and not acknowledge it. And like, I do have a problem with media members who are hypocrites about it. I'm a hypocrite about a lot of things. There are things I like and things I don't like, and they can be the same based on my preference. But it sounds I'm like self-aware enough it, to admit that. Not enough people are. But if we reverse it, you're cool with the PGA Tour as a, as a, as a governing body of golf reaching out to the Saudis and taking money, but Mickelson can't do that individually because, I mean, he is his own, he's the team owner, he's the organization, he's the player, he's the brand. Uh, Meanwhile, you have LeBron as that in the NBA, but the NBA is also reaping the benefits of China and all of this with the shoe companies and the shoe deals. I mean, there's no doubt that there are individuals within the PGA Tour that have ties to there. The tour itself may not admit it, uh, the NBA does, but they're not willing to admit it, even though everyone is trying to point it out. My, my point being, I think if, you, if they looked in the mirror, they would see uh, the same situation in some of these bigger leagues. And Mickelson saying, why can't we go do the same thing? I think there's a very big difference from the PGA. And by the way, they can go play. DeChambeau went and played in the Saudi tour. He missed a tour, and that started all this I think there's talk. a very big difference between the PGA being owned domestically and accepting sponsorship money or investment money from Saudi Arabia or China or whatever, as opposed to our best athletes 
being owned by a league based out of Saudi Arabia and China. Those are two different distinctions. I'd agree with that. But tying into the baseball conversation Chad and I had If China bought the NBA, I'd be out completely. Well, they are, they I mean, basically have. Yes. But if ownership goes to China and all, everything's run out of Beijing, I'm not paying attention to it. I mean, uh, China practically owns everything. They have John Cena apologizing in Mandarin for mentioning that Taiwan was its own country. Well, hell, they own, own a good share of our national debt. So it goes well <laughs> beyond sports leagues, yeah, right? Absolutely. But they uh, own Hollywood. Uh, you know, as it pertains to MLB, uh, MLB players, golfers, whatever. I want. I try to consistently remind myself these leagues, uh, uh, the PGA, they got a lot, a lot of money. I'd rather it go to players than to the league, to the owners, who also have a lot, a lot of money. More to the athletes I'm watching on the field doing their thing with their skills and limited time than to generational ownership. See, I'm weird that I'd like the marketing exec to make a hundred thousand instead of seventy-five thousand. It's the PGA that pays them, and not Phil Mickelson. So I think there's the middle ground for both. That marketing exec could go to a different company well, and be a marketing if, exec and make if better money find, if he wants. But the golfer is at one thing. Bill Mickelson can do a pay-per-view on HBO or if you Cinemax find, and people are paying for it. If you can find the sole uh, executive with PGA that's made $800 million over the course of their career, show it to me. Um, Not one individual is making that money for the PGA Tour. It is an entity that is spreading the money out and paying people also. Do they make a profit? Absolutely. Is someone making a ton of money to run the PGA? Absolutely. Probably too much money. Right. I, you're saying the same thing I'm saying. It's the players who are bringing in all that money. So the players should be getting most of that money. Dan Dockich has made Bill lots Mickelson of money. money. Lots of money. Coming up, uh, we've got Dan on the show. They're... Uh, there was a coach ejected last night for pumping up the crowd, and I'm going to ask him if that's the Jawan Howard effect. Outkick yeah, 360 rolls on. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. A lot to get to with our guy, Dan Dockich. Don't at me with Dan Dockich. You can hear uh, and watch each weekday morning right here across the Outkick Network. This is Outkick 360. Dan, congratulations. You re-upped in Indy, I saw. You put pen to paper. Um, I would have bet against it, yeah. but but I you did it. I would have thought you'd be fired. Congrats, Why? Sir. Whoa, 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 whoa. Why? Why would you bet against? I, well, I mean, you had so many... Uh, you were in trouble so much that uh, the, the suspension time, I figured, would have added up to... Uh, I, Dan, I would have bet against it because you fell to third. That's why. That too. Yeah, there's that. the uh, contract took a little hit because <laughs> of third. Uh, <laughs> Barrett, Barrett messing with your money. Uh, just one suspension. <laughs> one suspension in 14 and a half years. Come on. I mean, a few articles... 
But let's be honest. One suspension, 14 and a half years, it's pretty good. Hey, by the way, did you guys know today's the anniversary of Bob Knight throwing the chair? I, I saw I your tweet. That. I saw your tweet with where you were seated. You made it all happened. about you. Well, of course. I mean, who else would I make it about? I mean, nobody cares. I mean, it's my Twitter hand. Of course I'm making it about me. Uh, Dan, can you give us the the 60-second rundown of your view? Take us back to that night and what you remember watching as in real time. Was it slow motion at the time, or did you see everything sped up? Truthfully, uh, running out onto the court, my roommate, kid named Uwe Blop, who was a, ended up being a first-round pick, he's like, Danny, he's a big German. Coach Knight's getting thrown out. I go, why? He goes, what are you mm-hmm. talking about? He goes, he's not wearing a sport coat. First day ever, he didn't wear a sport coat. Um, bad calls. He moved me down to the bench to get ready to go in. I was like the sixth man. And when he did it, my hands were over my face. And I remember out of the side of my head, I just kind of turned, looked, looked at the chair, looked at the ref walking by. Next thing you know, Coach Knight's kicked out. The assistant next to me, Jimmy Cruz, is the head coach then. And I'm begging him to get, hey, I got to get in this game. You got to get me in this game. So, really, it was a beautiful day in Bloomington. And then after, because I was kind of smart, Alec, the media came to me. They're like, what do you think? I go, what are you talking about? We see it every day. It's no big deal. I honestly did not think it was a big deal, but it was. So, there you go. Dan, can you recall a time that a coach got ejected, got a second technical for pumping up the crowd like Danny Hurley no. last night for UConn? I think Danny Hurley had an out-of-body experience. I think he um, – I think he got the one T and lost his mind. And you can't do that. Like you, I heard you guys say, Hey, look, we're going to see if this is a Juwan Howard effect. And I'm not going to say no, but I'm also not going to say hundred percent because frankly, when you do that, you're showing up the officials and you're probably going to get a tech because bench decorum uh, is an absolute with officials these days. And officials get graded by those kind of things in terms of their assignments for the NCAA tournament. That's why you'll see officials looking over and waving the bench to sit down because that's what the head of officials across the country, J.D. Collins, that's what they want. You cannot incite a crowd uh, you cannot incite your bench or it's an automatic technical foul. So, Dan, I'm excited to tune to Big Ten Network at 6 o'clock Central and watch Michigan with Phil Martelli take on Rutgers tonight. What's your interest level in watching Martelli take over for Jawan Howard and see how they respond? Yeah, I mean, it's high. I was interim coach at Indiana in, in 2008, and we didn't have, even have practice. And we came out and we ended up winning a game on the road at Northwestern. It's it, it, no matter what, it, it, actually do a follow-up with Coach Knight. He got suspended, so we went to Iowa the next game. We got beat, and it was weird. It was a little bit like the, you know, in Coach Knight's case, he was such a dominating personality, and I think the same thing with Jawan Howard. He's such a dominating personality that there is going to be a little bit, I swear there's going to be a little bit, and nobody will admit it, of this is the substitute teacher. You know, it, it, you know how it is. There's just a little bit there, even though the assignment may be the same, even though the, you know, whatever may be the same. And I'm really interested because Michigan is on the bubble. Joe Lenardi has Michigan as one of the last four in 
the NCAA tournament, along with, I think it's Memphis, SMU, and Indiana. So they got to win this game, and it would be a great win. And Rutgers got to win this game. So I, I'm fascinated. Martelli's coached over 800 games, 700 games. He'll be fine. But the players, is there going to be just a little bit of relaxing? Because you relax in the Big Ten, you're going to get your brains beat out. Dan, I'm glad you brought up Joe Lenardi because I laugh on Sunday. The NCAA Selection Committee releases their top 16 seats. It's there. That is the committee. That is what is happening if the season ended today. And then Joe Lenardi still has something that's different than the Selection Committee. He does not adjust. So ESPN pumps their guy even though we know the top four seeds in each region, region, uh, region as of that day. That was odd to me that they still go with Lenardi's picks when the committee's already told us where it is right now. Well, you know, uh, the four letters, they dominate. I, I didn't see it, but my question would be, was Joe talking about those 16 or was he talk, Was he adding to it? Um, I'll, I'll give you an example. I, Tennessee was a three okay. seed by the actual selection committee. Lenardi had us as a four seed the same day, same time. Didn't adjust. So, so his is different than the committee. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That was weird yeah. to see for me. But ESPN's using Lenardi. They're using the ticker, and it says, <laughs> Tennessee, a projected four seed by Joe Lenardi. <laughs> and I literally just flipped it from CBS, where the damn head of the committee told me Tennessee's a three seed right now. Yeah, that's crazy. I've never been in that room where you adjust the ticker, but it doesn't seem like it'd be that hard, right? <laughs> I mean, just, you know, just put it in there. Joe came on my show yesterday, and I love Joe. I love talking to him. Uh, he's so ate up with his bunker when you're there with him, you know, uh, and I was there probably six, seven years. Uh, he gets them right. Now, he'll get like 37 of the 38, uh, you know, non-automatic bids right. He'll get them right. But you're right. If you're going to have the committee, the actual people, that are going to do the actual putting on the board of the teams, I'll tend to go with them, at least as we sit here right now. I think that's smart. I think You guys are smarter than me. I'd be like, yeah, I don't care what the committee said. You know, big play Joe, he's rolling, baby. Let's go with big, big play Joe. He should just pick up at 17. Let's go back to Juwan Howard. Um, what did you think of the punishment? Uh, was it the, the correct thing five games should they have gone into the tournament what's the likelihood that they stack it so that we'll see uh, Michigan and Wisconsin meet if they both win their early games oh that'd be great uh I think that it was the punishment to me was fine uh I've never seen that before and like I was completely insane as a coach I mean like insane and I worked for Bob Knight. I was with him for 16 years. I've never seen a coach strike another player or another coach on the court. Now, I've seen players. If you want to see a great brawl, seriously, Google or, or YouTube, uh, 1986, South Carolina against Louisville. It's the greatest brawl in the history of college basketball. It's unbelievable. But coaches were trying to separate people. I thought the punishment was fine. I absolutely loved what Wisconsin's athletic director came out in his statement, he basically said, hey, screw you. Uh, Michigan started, we ain't paying it, or at least Greg Gard isn't paying it. Michigan's standpoint, I did not want Juwan Howard fired. I, I didn't. It is his second incident. There have been other incidents uh, behind the scenes that I absolutely know of. 
So it was that made it even more difficult. But I do think that Jawan Howard uh, missing the five games, probably right. Would, would you have liked to see Michigan say, hey, look, uh, you're done for the season. We'll revisit this. Yeah, maybe. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, he misses the regular season. It's a bad thing because, look, not only did Howard do his thing, but he made it all right for two of his players to start taking some swings as well. And those two kids got suspended. So I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, Greg Gard, you know, I guess looking back, he could have just let Howard, you know, say what he said, walked on by. I, I guess you could do that. Uh, but you got – look, the funniest thing for me is, well, we're Michigan men. My son went to Michigan. My son played basketball. My son graduated from Michigan. And I make fun of him all the time. I always say, how do you know someone went to Michigan or Notre Dame? And the answer is always the same. Well, they tell you within the first two freaking minutes of meeting <laughs> that they went to Notre Dame or freaking Michigan. And then they start that Michigan – I was going to swear uh, – <laughs> Michigan man BS, right? So, Howard, you know, if, if you're not about that and you're not about excuses and the AD says we're not going to tolerate that, then you don't let him coach. But, you know, you, it's like me saying, you know, I got a great head of hair. Doesn't matter what I say. I mean, you know, you got to – I don't. So Michigan <laughs> saying they're not tolerant, not exactly truthful on that bad boy. Um, I, I didn't watch the NBA All-Star game. Chad watched a bit of it and, and turned on at the right time because he saw the ceremony for the NBA 75 team and uh, the players and as they're being announced. But he made a great point Monday, and I'll ask you. They missed a, a great opportunity to showcase the legends of the game and not many people knew they were doing it, at least the, the average fan. Uh, it wasn't a headline unless you flipped over there uh, and you're under the age of probably f 35 years old, you were watching the game. Um, that was an opportunity missed, right? Yeah, and the NBA doesn't miss many opportunities, you know, because Silver's pretty you know, savvy with that. I agree with what Chad said, man. I thought – I went back and watched it uh, you know, after you had talked about, you know, the waving and all that stuff, and I'm like, oh, man, you know, would it have been so bad if they'd have said Carl Malone's not here? You know, I, the NBA doesn't miss very many things. Pro sports are pretty, again, savvy with that, but I do agree with you. I personally – I think I follow basketball a little bit. I got to tell you, I did not know they were introducing those guys. I had no idea. I didn't either. I, one, of the, one of the funniest things, Paul, that people told me, I went back and watched, and, and, and I wish I had Charles Barkley on last week. I wish I had him on this week. So I'd ask him, you know, hey, Michael Jordan was dapping everybody up, but you, big boy, like, you know, was he owe you some money? <laughs> What's the deal around here? Like, but. I, I just – I'm with you. I wish – they have such great names, Yes. you know, on that team. And I would love to have seen those guys – not that team, that, that you know, that, what they're celebrating. Right. I'd have loved to have seen those guys get a little better stage. And just the camaraderie between them. Like, we're, we're analyzing uh, yeah. uh, MJ turning around and seeing Rodman for the first time in a while. You know, like <clears> – <throat> That's that's the stuff and the rapport that we miss that we're not getting in in today's game. No, I mean for sure, but that that's a way to sell the history and build on where you could go with it. Yeah, you, you gotta you know you gotta understand like like Barkley was talking about you know the dream team and the card games that they had. Hell, when when we were in college, I'm those guys his age, Jordan and Ewing and Barkley and those guys in 1984 when the Olympics were in Bloomington. Um, the 
the card games that they all had as college kids in the dormitories were legendary. Like, so these guys have all known each other. They've got all kind of histories together. And I would have, I'm with you. I would have loved, I mean, loved to have seen, I'm not even sure, like hire a PR firm to figure out how to do it right, I guess. And, and because I don't know, but I'd like to see an interaction like you guys are saying. Uh, final thing for you uh, next week. Um, I know our guy Corey is coming over to, uh, yeah, we'll call it the Dockage Man Cave. This this uh, studio he's going to set you up with the state of the art. I know firsthand here. But number two, what are the odds that you and PK hit the town together in Indy next week? Oh, man. I, hey, look, you, you hang with me, PK. Let me tell you what you do, baby. You basically get home around 5 or 6 o'clock. You get on the couch. You watch Sons of Anarchy. You read a book. And you're in bed by about 9.30. <laughs> Sounds but, about right. He's not in. He, he, he's <laughs> early. Yeah. Paul, Paul, can you make it 8.30 for Paul, please? <laughs> He'll skip I, Sons I probably, of Anarchy. I probably have to do a little writing. Is that all right? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, you know, we got a room for you if you need it. <laughs> I do. I am. <laughs> I. Man, people like I remember Tariko used to say, Dan, man, your life's a sitcom. I'm like, really? I mean, a boring sitcom. But, Paul, you say the word. I will get us hooked up at St. Elmo's. I'll get us hooked up wherever the hell you want, baby. (laughs) Even though I'm third. Even though I'm third, I'm first in Indy. How's that? No doubt. That that tells us the new contract was, in fact, No doubt about it. If he's offering St. Elmo's. uh, In all sincerity, congrats on the contract extension there. And we're still glad you're here and that they signed on off on that, clearly, uh, with uh, Don't At Me uh, across the Outkick Network. Where are you headed tonight? You're going somewhere. Uh, right now, I'm in a car. I have a meeting here at a golf course. Okay. And uh, what's meeting. that? And that meeting in that meeting involves my wife and I playing on a simulator and having a few beers. And uh, yeah, because I'm going to Florida tomorrow to play golf for the weekend and speak to a group. So yeah, I ain't mad about my life, brother. <laughs> but it does end usually every night around nine thirty. Ten o'clock would be late. Ten o'clock's late. Nine o'clock, eight o'clock central. I'm in bed. The Dockage Life. Dan, right. thank you. Thanks, I'll Dan. see you next week. Uh, call me. I'm in, man. See you guys. Dan Dockage there. Catch you mornings across the Outkick Network for Don't At Me. I've got that Louisville-South Carolina fight for us. Oh, sweet. oh right. nice. To watch. 1986. Might, might be two breaks, it sounded like. I've never heard of this one. Primary complaint next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Sixth and Peabody, our location. Glad you're with us for Outkick 360 with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Each and every Wednesday at this time, it's primary complaint. And my primary complaint this week, guys, uh, some things are just unavoidable for me in my, not daily routine, but occasional routine, and and that is Starbucks. And... uh, did this on the drive back, Coach Mack and I. We got he's got to have his cold coffee, cold brew, you know, typical. Um, I, I of course joined in on, on that order, and without fail, 
there is a line wrapped around the building at any exit you want to get off of for Starbucks. Now, I think Chick-fil-A and their drive through process is overkill, but in a good way. You know, you can be, you know, right off the exit and a half mile to your right is the entrance to Chick-fil-A. And they're probably taking your order by the time you get you know, a couple more yards down the road. With Starbucks, it is the inevitable wait and wait and wait. They've got to figure out a middle ground to speed up their overall process. That's my primary complaint. So my primary complaint this week, I've been recently going to the gym. I'm a sporadic gym goer. Uh, I go in spurts, and I usually go for a couple weeks and then you know, probably take a couple weeks off, like a lot of people. But when I go to the gym, I don't want to waste much time. I get in, I get what I need to get done, and I get the hell out. My issue is with the guy who looks like he's moving into the gym. The guy who comes in with two bags, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this, two bags, two sets of headphones, Whoa. peanut butter and jelly, not a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, a jar of peanut butter <laughs> and a jar of jelly, Some silverware, a change of clothes, <laughs> another change of clothes, his own resistance band, which they have at the gym. I don't know why you're bringing it. It's redundant. But when you have the time to devote three or four hours of your day to where it looks like you were moving into an Airbnb when you go to the gym, <laughs> you really need to reassess what's going on with everything else in your life. I don't like dealing with it. I don't like trying to go around you in the locker room when you've set up a tent inside of the locker room to stay there all day. Please stop. And it's my primary complaint. Now Ryan Albany's in on the action for primary complaint. Thought of a good one last second. I don't know if it's been covered already before, but two-factor authentication on anything because mm. yep. I often have a dead phone and can't get into things I need to get into. And then uh, just Chrome profiles on shared work computers have been incredibly frustrating to me over the past six months or however long that's been a thing. I'm with you on the two-point authentication, and then you have to change your password multiple times to go along with that. Paul? My primary complaint is uh, calling for an appointment. I've been trying to get in on some appointments lately and being told uh, that they can't make an appointment for me because their system is refreshing. Mm. Do not refresh your system during business hours. System refreshment <laughs> is for after business hours. When you are not officially taking appointments, that's a good time to refresh your system. See, I when I am calling to make an appointment, that's a bad time to be refreshing your system because I don't have all day to call you to make an appointment. I need to make an appointment right now. When I called you and you answered the phone, that's a good time for me to make an appointment, not for you to be refreshing your system. System refreshment is such a better way to phrase that. Like they should say that, like that should be our thing. Like if refreshing. you try to, you know, sounds more refreshing. You try to contact us. It's sorry. We're, we're under system refreshment instead of the opposite. And also, if you're just calling to make an appointment, isn't that just them admitting that they're not willing to put someone at the desk to answer your call? You know, it's just answering the phone. Seems like. yeah, It's a nice uh, way message for when you don't want to admit that. <laughs> I actually oh, we're like, refreshing our system. I actually, actually like two-factor. We're factor. not understaffed. We're refreshing our system. Exactly. I actually like two-factor authentication because it usually means you don't need to know your password. I'm trying to get in. They'll send me a four-digit code. I put in the four-digit code, and I'm in. I haven't had to remember a password or to reset a password. I can think of Resetting the password request defeating. is so ridiculous. I had to get on Netflix lately. All of a sudden, it's asking me for a password. 
for Netflix password. When's the last time I put that in? Well, that too. And then you have to, you know, the, the new ones, at least the streaming services, they'll let you log in on your phone simultaneously. And like, that'll be like, okay, you're approved. But if you have to go through each letter on the damn remote control on a, a television screen, that makes me almost want to not watch Netflix that night. So uh, I'll piggyback off this. I should save this for uh, next week, but I'm not going to. The it, the idea that we have to change our passwords so often, this is with companies, uh, with apps, with your phone, two-point authentication, all that. I'm not the one getting hacked. Your company is the one getting hacked. Yeah, and no, no matter the password I choose, it's to protect the company. that's out there. No, it's not to protect the company because you get hacked. My, the, my password is, is out there now. You can... So my point is, if these companies are getting hacked either way, yeah, I change my, my password and my word. username will be found. I, yeah, I'm I told, like you they're... know, no, you need to use something that you haven't used in the last year or whatever. I changed my core word <laughs> on on uh, on something lately. My core word, which is in everything. <laughs> Can we guess there Paul? Go, Coming up, we're going to guess Paul's core word. Yeah. That would be a great. I time. hate it. I hate it. I'm gonna I'm gonna invest it's, in one of those. It's such a password feeling of defeat. Thing. When you put in that core code, yes, and you get back username or email is incorrect, uh, and you just well, I don't even know where to go feed, from here. Yeah. Do I put an exclamation point? Let's do something point? else. Let's put an exclamation point at the end of I it. I guess I'm not doing expenses tonight. Let's, let's use my old email as the email address. Yeah. It's defeating every time. The worst. I was among like 90 million subscribers to this um, email service. Maybe Gmail that was hacked, and they, I got the alert. I'm like. So my password did no good, you know, because now these hackers have my password and can go in and change my account if they so and choose. And reading your email. I mean, think of the yeah, things I they're mean, getting out of that. Yeah, a lot of junk. Today's run. A lot of spam and a lot of emails asking me to change my password. That's what they're seeing. Coming up, <laughs> headlines from Outkick 360 from 6th and Peabody in Nashville.